Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'firuhu wa na'udhu billahi min shiruri anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudilla lahu wa yudlihi falahadila wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ahdahu la shirita lah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh amma ba'd fa inna ahsanul kalami kalamullah wa khiral huda huda muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدأة وكل بدأة دلالة وكل دلالة في النار. In today's lesson we begin hadith number six or the sixth hadith of Anawi's forty hadith and this is the hadith which is narrated by Abu Abdullah and Muhammad bin Bashir. Who said that he heard the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say Inna al-halala bayin wa inna al-harama bayin Wa baynahuma umurun mushtabihatun la ya'lamuhunna kathirun minan nas So the hadith begins, so the hadith is narrated by Abdullah, Abu Abdullah al-Mu'man bin Mushayr Who said that he heard the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say Indeed the halal, that which is halal, is clear and apparent And that which is haram, is clear and apparent And between the two, between them both are affairs or ambiguous affairs Unclear, ambigu- ambiguous affairs That are not known by many of the people not known by many of the people. So whoever kept away from the ambiguous matters, the unclear ambiguous matters, then he has remained, you know, he, he, he's basically, his de- he's remained innocent in terms of his deen, and his honor. In other words, he's, he's cleared it with respect to his deen and cleared with respect to his honor. And whoever fell into the ambiguous and doubtful matters, then he has fallen into the haram. Then the hadith continues just like a shepherd who, you know, who. Uh, Whose flock he, he, he takes his flock just around the borders of a sanctuary and all but you know grazing therein. Right? So in other words, he, his flock is taken to like uh, uh, the border of a sanctuary, you know, land which doesn't belong to him, and he grazes just round near the, 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 the perimeter and all and his flock all but grazing into that which is not his. And so the hadith continues, and indeed every owner has a sanctuary, and indeed the sanctuary of Allah is his prohibitions. Is his prohibitions. And then the hadith continues, indeed in the body there is a piece of flesh, which if it is sound, the whole body is sound, and which if corrupt, then the whole body is corrupt. Indeed, it is the heart. Allah, wahiyya al-qalb. 
indeed it is the heart and this hadith, hadith is reported by al-bukhari and muslim and so we look at the commentary of sheikh salih al-sheikh today and inshallah we'll also start using the commentary of sheikh ibn Taymin, rahimahullah and to, to commence, we'll start with the commentary of Sheikh uh, Salih al-Sheikh. So he begins by saying that this hadith of al-Nu'man has been considered by the scholars to be, to be one-third of the religion. But the scholars, when they've looked at this hadith, uh, they've considered, to, considered it to be either one-third of the religion or a quarter, one-quarter of the religion. And this is based upon... Uh, statements from different scholars. So Imam Ahmad, he said, for example, uh, uh, the, the Imam Ahmad said, "Hadith uh, al-Islam taduru ala thalathati ahadith. Hadith Umar, inna al-a'mal bin-niyat, wa hadith Aisha, man ahdath fi amrina hala ma laysa minhu fawarad, wa hadith al-Nu'man." So Imam Ahmad says that indeed. The, the ahadith of Islam all revolve around three ahadith. The hadith of Umar, the very first one, innama indeed actions are by intention. And the hadith of Aisha, whoever introduces into this affair of ours that which is not from it, will have it rejected. And the hadith of An-Nu'man, which is the hadith of the halal is bayin and the haram is bayin. And the Sheikh says, why is the hadith of An-Nu'man considered to be one-third of the religion? This is because, uh, this is because the, the, the things are divided. When we look at all of the things in the religion, we find that they're divided into three things. Either it is something which is clearly halal, or it is something clearly haram, or it is something that is ambiguous. Right? So something which is halal and something which is haram, then the ruling of these affairs are very, very clear. In other words, there's no ambiguity about the ruling about such issues. And as for that which is ambiguous, ambiguous, as for that which is ambiguous, then it's not like that. Its ruling is not clear. It's not apparent. And then the Sheikh says, when we put all of these ahadith together, the, the, the three ahadith, the hadith of the niyyah, the hadith of you know, innovations being rejected, and this hadith, then the shaykh says that when we have something which is halal, when we have an issue which is halal, then in acting upon that halal thing, a person must first have the niyyah. He must first have an intention. And then he must also follow the sunnah with respect to it. Right? And not start introducing new affairs in terms of worship or the mu'amalat or anything like that. So we see that what the, 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 the contents or the subject of each of these three ahadith, right? So if we just summarize it, we, the first hadith, the subject of it is the niyyah, right? The intention. The subject of the other hadith, which is considered one third of the religion, is mutaba'ah, which is following and imitating the messenger, وسلم, and not inventing or innovating anything new. So the subject of the second hadith is mutaba'ah. So we have niyyah, the intention, and mutaba'ah, which is following the sunnah. And the third, which is the halal and, 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 and the haram, which, which are the actual actions from the sharia. Those things that we 
can do and those things which we can't do. And the Shaykh says, likewise, the haram, the haram, in order for you to be rewarded for avoiding the haram, you must have the niyyah to avoid the haram. You must have the niyyah to avoid that which is haram and to keep away from it. And on that basis, then a person would be would be uh, rewarded. So when we look at it from this angle, this hadith then becomes or it's treated like it is a third or it represents one third of Islam. And Abu Dawood, who is the author of the Sunan, who compiled the Sunan, the book Sunan Abi Dawood, he likewise said that the he made the hadith to be four. So Imam Ahmad made the hadith to be three, that Islam revolves around three hadith. And Abu Dawood, Imam Abu Dawood, he said that the hadith revolves around four, or Islam revolves around four hadith. The hadith of the Niyyah, the hadith of Aisha on the innovations, muhdathat, on not, not innovating in the religion, the hadith of Al-Nu'man on the halal is bayin and the haram is bayin. And he added to that the hadith of Al-Tamim Al-Dari, uh, which is Al-Deenun Nasiha. Al-Deenun Nasiha, that the religion is sincerity or giving advice or sincerity of purpose. And so he made them to be, you know, he made it to be for a hadith. And this hadith is the next hadith in, uh, in, in uh, Nawi's 40 hadith. So basically, what does this show? The fact that these scholars considered this hadith to be from the three hadith which, are, which, which, you know, which represent the whole of Islam, this shows that this hadith is, a, you know, it, it has a very great position in the Sharia. It has a great position in the Sharia and it, it, it is one third of the religion you know, for any person who understands this hadith. And it also explains and clarifies in this hadith that the rulings upon issues, the rulings upon different issues, that they are three in number. Either it is halal, clearly halal without any ambiguity, or it is clearly haram without any ambiguity, or thirdly, it is something which is mushtabih, which is ambiguous and unclear, and which many people don't know. The Sheikh says, even though, or the Sheikh says that here, although many people don't know, there are many people who actually do know, just to make that clear. Because in the hadith, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, uh, that many people do not know them. But this means at the same time that there are other people who do know those affairs, meaning who do know the ruling of these affairs. Right? So just to make that clear. And so the Shaykh continues and he says, uh, the, you know, the, the, the halal therefore is clear, and anyone who acts upon the halal, then he is upon bayina, he is upon clarity, and so these affairs are clear to the people, and likewise the haram are very clear and apparent, they are clear to the people, there's no ambiguity, so any person who kept away from them, who kept away from the uh, haram things, then he's rewarded, and obviously anyone who falls into them, then he will be censured and rebuked for that. And then in the middle we have those things which are mushtabihat, those things which are the ambiguous. And it's, it's, the reason is, so it, because these things exist, because there are found these things, that's why the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he came with this hadith and he brought this guidance 
and he explained that al-halal ubayyin wal haram ubayyin ubaynahuma umurun mushtabihatun that halal is bayyin the haram is bayyin between the two things are ambiguous affairs so then the shaykh goes on to give examples of the halal the halal which is bayyin the halal which is clear so for example um, all of the different types of foods that are permissible for us to eat that is clear you know we can eat meat we can eat bread we can drink water and other such affairs and likewise in terms of wealth uh, you know the different types of wealth uh, which are permissible all of that is clear you know trade is permissible you know trade is permissible exchange is permissible different types of renting is permissible the marriage here is clear the ruling upon that is clear all of these things are very clear obviously as long as the conditions for them are fulfilled then all of this is clear to the people right? these are affairs which are clear in in in, in the sharia and uh, the sheikh says yes yeah, so all of this is, is is clear and similarly the haram that which is haram is clear like for example the prohibition of al-khamar intoxicants the prohibition of stealing the prohibition of azina which is fornication and adultery the prohibition of accusing chaste women of something that they are innocent of and the prohibition of bribery and other such things you know which regarding which we find that the speech is very clear and there is no ambiguity at all right so the, the, these are clear and then we have the third thing, the third type, which is the umurun mushtabihatun, the ambiguous affairs. And so, because the Messenger وسلم, said, وَبَيْنَهُمَا Then the Messenger made it to be between the halal and between the haram. And this is because sometimes it might make a person, you know, a person who's confused about it, it might, it might make him, it might, it, might, it might take him towards the halal or it might take him towards the haram, right? Because it's in between and because the person, the, the affairs is not clear to him, then, it, you know, it can take him to one side or, or the other side. So, you know, so he's in between the halal and the haram. He doesn't know, he doesn't actually know, is it actually haram or is it actually halal? He's in between. And if he looks at it from one angle, he might consider it to be halal. If he looks at it from another angle, he might consider it to be, to, be, to be haram. So depending on which way he looks at it, you know, he will come to a different co conclusion. And the Sheikh says that this is what you find amongst many of the people. That they don't know the ruling, it's not clear to them. However, to the people of knowledge, those who are deeply grounded in knowledge, then they do know the ruling and they, they, they do know whether it is halal or whether it is haram. That's obviously because of their grounding in knowledge and their understanding and so on and so forth. So then, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa said, that many of the people do not know them. And the Shaykh says, this means that there are, that there are likewise كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ يَعْلَمُونَ الْحُكُمْ That there are many people who do know the ruling. So, so because the Messenger said, there are many people who do not know the ruling, he didn't totally exclude the people. This means that there are likewise many people who do know the ruling. And regarding the mushtabihat, uh, then when the Sheikh says that when we look at the, what the scholars have written and commented about, about what exactly is meant by the mushtabihat in this hadith, 
What is the exact meaning? What does it refer to? The Sheikh says that the scholars have come with many different sayings, many different statements to explain what is meant by Mushtabihat. And they've also differed in the tafsir. They have differences in the tafsir. And likewise, the Sheikh says, when you look at the explanation of this book in the various, you know, uh, sorry, the explanation of this hadith, the explanation of this particular hadith, when you look at the explanation of this hadith in the various books, you'll find that there's a big, lengthy discussion regarding the issue of exactly what is the mushtabihat. What, is, what, is, what do we understand to be the mushtabihat or these ambiguous uh, affairs? And the Sheikh says that obviously we need to understand, to understand this, to understand this clearly, we need to understand that the word mushtabihat, uh, that we, we need to know its meaning in the language first of all, and then how it's used in the Qur'an. Right? So we need to understand what does it mean linguistically, and then how is it used in the Qur'an. So first of all, linguistically speak, when speaking in the language, then the Shaykh says, when you say, uh, when you say, when you use this word, that something has, you know, ishtabaha, it means that it's become mixed. It's mixed. So for example, uh, a number of different things have, have become mixed. So for example, either to someone who's looking at something, things have become mixed together, or when someone is listening to something, there are many different voices that have become mixed together, right? So in other words, things have become confusing upon his eye, or things have become confusing to his ears, right? So, uh, you know, he looks at something, he can't differentiate, or he hears different voices, but he can't differentiate because there are many voices. Right? So this is the meaning of ishtabaha, or something, or the, the, the mushtabihat, you know, the ambiguous mixed up uh, affairs. So therefore a person can't distinguish between one or the other, right? When he's looking at something, or he can't distinguish between the voices between one or the other, right? So he becomes uh, confused. And the, the, the mushtabihat therefore then, this means that it's something from which you can't really make out something clear. And to many of the people who are obviously weak, are weak in their in their in their sight or weak in their vision or who are weak in their hearing right so they can't work it out they can't can't see properly things become confusing they can't hear properly things you know the 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 the, the, the voices become they, they, they can't work them out and similarly not just with hearing and seeing likewise with understanding so the heart also has this uh, ambiguity and this confusion now there are many issues which a heart cannot grasp, right? Because, because these issues are grasped by way of basira, by a person, a person having proper knowledge, sound knowledge, right? But because a person has weakness in his basira and weakness in the knowledge, he can't properly understand these issues with his heart, right? So, so basically, just like a person's eyes, if there is weakness in a person's eyes, he can't differentiate between the things that he sees, things become confusing to him. And likewise, if a person has weakness in his hearing, he can't differentiate between the different voices, then similarly, the same thing is found with the heart. People's hearts can't comprehend certain things. Why? Because of the weakness in their basira, 
weakness in their knowledge, weakness in their understanding, and so on and so forth. So this is the meaning of, uh, you know, the, the mushtabihat, something which is mushtabih, something which is ambiguous. This is the meaning in terms of the language. As for the meaning in terms of the Sharia, as for what we find in the Quran, the meaning in the Quran, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says regarding the mushtabihat, that the mushtabihat are those things which are opposed to the muhkamat. So in the Quran, Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, uh, That he is the one who sent down upon you the book. From it are verses which are clear. And they are the, the mother of the book or the essence of the book. And there are others which are unclear or ambiguous. As for those in whose heart is a, a deviation, then they follow those in the Quran, those from it, meaning from the Quran, which are ambiguous. Seeking thereby tribulation and seeking thereby to make you know this 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 ta'wil or this false interpretation. That no one, but no one knows its ta'wil or its meaning except for Allah and those who are deeply grounded in knowledge. They say we believe in it, all of it is from our Lord. So this shows, the Shaykh says that this, this indicates that the muhkam, the, 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 the muhkam is anything which is clear and apparent. And the mushtabih is something which becomes ambiguous to the one who's looking at it it becomes ambiguous and the shaykh is saying that when we look at what the hadith is speaking about because the hadith is speaking about affairs which are mushtabihat which are which are mushtabih and likewise this verse is similarly speaking about affairs which are mushtabih however the shaykh says that what the what what the what the the, the sheikh says that what the hadith is speaking about is something different to what the verse is speaking about. Right, so the sheikh is saying that what the hadith is speaking about is something different to what the actual uh, verse is speaking about. So he says. Even though the meaning is the same, even though, for example, that both the hadith and the verse are referring to something that becomes confusing and ambiguous and unclear. So from that angle, from the angle of ambiguity, obviously the meaning in the verse and the hadith is same, but they are referring to different things, uh, referring to two different things. And the shaykh says... Uh, the Sheikh then goes on to explain, he goes on to actually discuss, um, uh, you know, he, 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 the Sheikh goes on to explain some linguistic issues that we won't really go into in detail. He just goes on to um, clarify uh, the, you know, the, the, the meaning of mushtabih and how sometimes it can carry, uh, it can be given different interpretations 
and that the scholars have differed regarding its meaning and that when the scholars differ regarding its meaning what we do is that we what that we go back to the meaning that is used by Allah in the Quran or by the legislator in in, 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 in his speech and in the way that it's traditionally used or the way that the way that it's used uh, or the way that its meaning has been used in, 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 in the Quran. And that if we do this this will then take us away from the difficulty associated with the mean, that knowing the meaning of this of the of this word. So the Sheikh says, if we do that, uh, then when we when we look back at this meaning, then we find that the that the meaning of this word mushtabihat is like, for example, when you have some wealth which is lawful mixed in with some wealth which is haram, right? So it's mixed together, and and this is what is meant by mushtabihat, something which is ambiguous, something which is not entirely uh, clear. So the Sheikh is saying that if we if we if we take that meaning of it, then basically what the what the what the hadith is speaking of what the hadith is speaking of, so we're speaking about the hadith now, is that the mushtabihat are those things about which a person does not know the ruling upon them. He doesn't know what is the Sharia ruling upon, upon upon these issues. Right? This is what the hadith is speaking about. It's speaking about the uh, you know the affairs of halal and haram from the point of view of the ruling. From the point of view of the ruling. Whereas the verse, the mushtabihat, the verse is speaking from the angle of meanings. The meanings of certain verses. Right? The hadith is speaking about actions and the rulings upon certain actions. Right, so that's the that's the, uh, the, the the difference. So the Sheikh then carries on and he says uh, that uh, the yeah. So this hadith, uh, it, it, so it's speaking about something whose ruling hasn't become clear to a person, and anything whose ruling hasn't become clear to a person, it is to be treated as the mushtabihat, right? Based upon upon this hadith. So anything whose ruling is clear is is, is halal. It is halal. Anything whose ruling that is clearly haram is haram, and uh, anything whose ruling has become clear, it's not apparent, then we treat this to be from the mutashabihat, or it can be the mushtabihat, or the mushabihat, whatever, different wordings, but all of the, uh, uh, the, the, the same meaning. Right, so we need to be clear about that issue there, that it's referring to not knowing the ruling on a particular issue, and so therefore it becomes from the mushtabihat, and therefore, this is the, 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 it enters into this particular hadith. And then the Sheikh says that there's also another usage of this word mushtabihat. There's another way that this word mushtabihat has been used by the scholars, and we should be clear, clear about that as well. He says, uh, they say that basically the mushtabihat are those things about which the Sahaba were differed upon regarding as to whether they are halal or whether they are haram, right? Or, the mushtabihat are those things which the scholars differed about as to whether they are halal or whether they are haram. So for example, some of the well-known issues regarding which they differed was the eating of a lizard. Is it permissible to eat a lizard? In Arabic, the dab, the lizard. They, they differed. And so therefore, this issue then from this angle, it becomes treated as being from the mushtabihat, from the un unambiguous matters. And 
Um, likewise, eating of those animals which have like you know which are carnivorous, uh, which have things like talons and things like that. Uh, you know, scholars differed on that as well. Or wearing certain types of clothing. Scholars differed on certain things like that as well. And so from this angle, meaning that you know the, the, the Sahaba differed on it or the scholars differed on it, these issues would be treated as being from the Mushtabihat. From the Mushtabihat. And likewise there were many other issues, things like, you know, what what things make a person intoxicated and what things don't make a person intoxicated. Right? There were differences about those issues as well. On some issues it was unclear. Um you know, uh, so the Sheikh says the reason why these affairs are treated as being from the Mushtabihat is is just from the angle of the interpretations that people had, right? Meaning the, the viewpoints and the interpretations that people had. And then the Sheikh brings a statement of Imam Ahmad and likewise Ishaq and other than them. They said, well, they, they, they said, uh, he explains that when the scholars like Imam Ahmad and Ishaq that when they said like these affairs are from the Mushtabihat in their time in other words when they saw that certain scholars had certain viewpoints what they meant by this word is not what we are referring to in this hadith right so bear, the, bear pay attention to this what they meant by saying that these are affairs from the Mushtabihat, right? What they meant by this was, for example, that these people or these individuals who are holding these views, which upon closer inspection they oppose the Sunnah, that their views are from the Mushtabihat. Their opinions and their rulings are from the Mushtabihat. Like, for example, in the Sunnah, it is very clear that the eating of a lizard. Is not, not haram. It was just a matter of personal choice that the Prophet did not eat the lizard, right? So, uh, uh, and it's not you know. So basically, uh, or likewise, when for example, some 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 you know so, some 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 people, uh, you know, when when they held the view that certain types of things are permissible, even though they are intoxicants, right? What these scholars meant that their views are from the Mushtabihat, meaning that their views are from the ambiguous matters. That's what they meant. Not that, not that the issue itself is an ambiguous matter. Do you understand the difference? Because the issue of whether eating a lizard or not eating a lizard is haram or halal, the issue of whether certain things like are permissible to drink, you know, uh, you know the, the, those issues are clear in, in, in the Qur'an. So what they were referring to is not the actual issue itself, but the statements of those scholars, that their statements are from the Mushtabihat. That's what they meant. That's what those scholars, that's what they actually meant. So they meant that from the angle that because these are issues of difference and that these scholars are, or the, their, their statements are upon something uh, other than what, what is found to be in the Sunnah upon close inspection, then they said it in that manner that it is from the Mushtabihat, from that angle. And what they really meant is that they should really abandon these statements. They should really abandon uh, these viewpoints, and that they should really leave these, uh, you know, the, the, these viewpoints. And that's what they meant. So, in other words, what the Sheikh is clarifying here that there is also another usage of the word mushtabihat that we find that the scholars use, and we find it reported from the likes of Imam Ahmad and 
you know, Ishaq and other than them, that, that we should understand that this is what they actually meant. Right? This is what they meant. Um, so, and then the shaykh continues, and he then says that now that this has become clear, now that all of this has become clear, the shaykh says that it is better for a person to keep away from something which is mushtabih up until a clear ruling comes to him regarding whether it is halal or whether it is haram. Right? That this is the way that a person should be upon. Right? For example, when it becomes clear to him regarding you know, um, a certain thing, um, you know, a certain issue in the religion, uh, so, so in order to preserve his religion, he should keep away from it up until it becomes clear to him whether it is halal or haram. So then, after establishing all of this, the Sheikh says that these mushtabihat that we are discussing now then, meaning that these are issues for which we do not know the ruling whether they are halal or haram, then the Sheikh says that they have two situations. There are two situations for them. The first situation for them is, for example, a scholar will withhold on passing a ruling in an issue right there's an issue that's come to him but he won't say whether it is halal or haram he will withhold and the reason why he says that or he you know he will say look i don't have a position and the sheikh says that the reason that you find many of the scholars that they will often um, withhold on contemporary issues on issues which are new issues which happen and like, for example there are many issues to do with certain forms of selling certain forms of trade which are new that were not known before and you know or certain ways of acquiring wealth that were not known before and so the scholars they will not immediately pass a ruling they will withhold and they will not pass a ruling up until they have looked into the issue right so up until they've looked into the issue they will always keep back and withhold from expressing uh, an issue likewise on many issues of for example medicine and treatment, like in modern times, the scholars withhold. Uh, it's not because that they're not capable or they are not able, you know, to, to express rulings, but it is because, in order to preserve the religion, to safeguard the religion, because remember, for these scholars, when they pass a verdict or when they give a verdict, they are giving a verdict to the whole of the ummah, to the whole of the Muslim nation, and when they give a verdict to the ummah and they say for example something is halal then this thing which has been made halal or this making of this thing to be halal is attributed to them to the scholars and likewise it's as if they are expressing something is halal on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so for this reason you have to understand the situation of these scholars that they will often withhold and they will treat something as if it is from the mushtabihat for them in the sense that, it is, that its meaning is uh, ambiguous and not clear, so therefore they will withhold, and you know because it's like as if they are giving a verdict uh, from Allah subhanahu wa taala, so they will not rush into anything and they will withhold, and so they will hold withhold up until an issue becomes clear to them, up until the ruling becomes clear to the end. And an example that the Sheikh Sheikh Ibn Taymin, rahimahullah, gives, which will we will come to this explanation inshallah. And he says, like for example, smoking um, to many of the scholars, uh, the issue of smoking for a long time wasn't clear. Is it halal? Is it haram? But only after many, many decades, 
you know, and after it became clear the evil effects and so on and so forth from Sufi then the ruling was very, very clear that it is outright haram, you know, for a person to smoke because of the damage he does to his own body and, to the, and likewise to uh, other people as well. So that's like an example where the scholars will, will withhold on an issue that relates to, for example, health, or it could be to do with medicine, or it could be to do with certain forms of trade, all of which are newly arising issues. So that's the first situation regarding the mushtabihat, where the scholars themselves, they withhold from an issue. The second one, the second uh, situation is when we have an issue which is ambiguous to someone who is not a scholar. Right? So a person who is not a scholar and something becomes unclear, it's unclear to him and, you know, it, it, uh, it becomes unclear to him. So in this situation it becomes obligatory upon him to refer it back to the scholar. He has to refer it back to an alim. And the, the proof for that is, that if you look at this hadith, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٌ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ That between the two affairs are many ambiguous affairs which many people do not know. And this proves, uh, because the Messenger said لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ That many people do not know. This shows that there are those people who do know. So therefore a person should go and ask. Should go and ask a person who does know about the ruling about this particular issue. So, so this shows the obligation upon a person to ask the people of knowledge if an issue becomes unclear to him. And then the hadith continues and the Messenger sallallahu says, shubuhat. So as for the one who kept clear of the shubuhat, meaning that a person, before the knowledge actually reached him about a certain issue, whether it is halal or whether it is haram, then he kept clear of the issue. Uh, he kept clear. Uh, he kept clear about this issue, or it could be an issue about the scholars themselves, about which the scholars themselves are not clear. So therefore, he will likewise keep away, keep away from it. And so, anyone who takes this approach, meaning that he keeps away from those things about whose rulings he's not clear, then the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Famanittaqa shubuhat, fakad istabra'a lidinihi wa'irdihi." That this person has cleared himself with respect to his religion and with respect to his honor. So the Shaykh says, as for this person who clears himself with respect to his religion, then obviously this is as it relates to you know to, to his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So by keeping away from something which is not clear, then that relationship that he has between himself and Allah, then he's cleared himself with respect to his deen. And in you know in the sense that he has done that which is obligatory upon him. Because what is obligatory upon him in that situation is to keep away from that thing up until he is clear about its ruling. And so a person says, I will withhold from it and I will not you know, embark upon this issue because maybe it could be haram and obviously I you know, am responsible and you know, upon me, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the, as an obligation, it is upon me that I don't act upon something or enter into something ex except that I know that it is halal. And because this is the general obligation upon a person, if he takes this approach that he keeps away from it, then obviously he's cleared himself with respect to his religion. 
and uh, and so the Sheikh then says, yeah, so so he's cleared himself as it relates to his to 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 his to his religion, and then the Sheikh says, what about a person who falls into something but doesn't know? Is he excused? Right. So a person, in other words, an issue comes to him, he doesn't know its ruling, whether it's halal or haram, but he enters into it anyway. But he didn't know it was, it was it's halal or haram. Is this person excused? And the Sheikh says, he's not excused. Because what was obligatory upon him in that situation, where he's faced with something about whose ruling he's not clear, not clear whether it's halal or haram, and he knows that he doesn't know, what would, what's obligatory upon him in that situation is that he withholds up until the knowledge arrives to him that it is either halal or haram. You know, so he's not to be excused because he didn't do what was obligatory and because he, he knows that he's responsible and that he's burdened with, with, with responding to the sharia and to the obligations and keeping away from the prohibitions, then he should not have acted except by a command from his Lord. And because in this situation he doesn't know of the command from his Lord, right, because it's ambiguous, then he should not have acted. Now, why, in other words, why did he act? When he hasn't, he hasn't got a clear command from his Lord, right? So this then would make him sinful, and it wouldn't wouldn't allow him to be excused in this issue. And as for his honor, so remember in the Hadith, the Messenger said, So he cleared himself with respect to his religion, and he cleared himself with respect to his honor. As for his honor. And what does it mean that with respect to his honor? Then this is because you find that amongst the people of Iman, amongst the people of faith, that when a person, you know, he goes into affairs which are ambiguous and not really clear and whatever, and a person starts falling into those things, then that person, he will be spoken about. Now, people will speak about him. <coughs> and... In the sense that people will say, look, this person is not really, you know, uh, that cautious, doesn't really have that much deen, you know, he goes around falling into these things that, that, are, that are unclear, ambiguous, you know. <clears throat> so the people will start speaking about him, the people of Iman, amongst the people of Iman, the people will start speaking about him. Because this person, <clears throat> he didn't free himself as it relates to his religion, right? He hasn't cleared himself, you know, he's deliberately falling into certain affairs, which, you know, which, which can lead in his honor being spoken about. And this, uh, the, the fact that this is mentioned in this hadith is something that should, it's, 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 a, it's kind of like an enticement and a recommendation for a person to be careful about what will be said about him. Not from the angle of fearing what the people will say, but from, but, but from the angle of fearing that the people of Iman the people of faith, that you know that they will that they will basically that he will be spoken about. And this is like a blameworthy thing to be spoken about by other people regarding your own conduct, your your unbefitting conduct. And so it's from this angle. It's from this angle. Because a believer, the Sheikh says, a believer is always aware and he's he bears in mind and he's aware as to what his other believing uh, brothers what the, 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 what they hold regard about him. Right, you know, uh, you know, and what they, what, or how they view him, and how they see him, and how they perceive him. He's always conscious and aware. Again, this is not from the angle of 
fearing other people or showing off to other people, but it's more from the angle that a person knows that from the affairs of Islamic Brotherhood is that, that the believers are concerned about each other and that if a person starts now falling into unambiguous uh, ambiguous affairs and undesirable affairs, that they will start holding certain, you know, they, they, they will feel in a certain way. Right, so what, what so in other words, the meaning is that a person should be cautious and aware of the feelings of his brothers towards him regarding his own actions. And that's what the meaning of this hadith is to, 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 be, to be clear. So a person, you know, a believer is conscious and aware of the feelings of his other brothers, uh, believing brothers about him, and that he should maintain this caution and awareness and to, you know, keep himself clear so that he's not criticized or spoken about uh, you know, or, 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 or you know, spoken about, you know, for his conduct. You know, where his conduct can be criticized in the sense that he's going around, falling into undesirable things, things which are ambiguous and not clear, and as a result, he brings himself into disrepute and so on and so forth. You know, because this person really is like he's saying, well, you know, I don't really care what the people of Iman say, um, I don't care what the people of knowledge say, I don't care what the students of knowledge say, and so in other words. Um, you know, he shouldn't take this approach. Rather, he should free himself and clear himself as it relates to his honor as well, so that no one can speak about it. And then the Sheikh says, likewise, we see um, in, in a hadith uh, that occurs, or not in a hadith, that is a narration, an athar, in which it is reported, beware of those things to which fingers can be pointed. And the Sheikh says, what, this is just a, a narration, an athar, that the Sheikh has quoted. He hasn't mentioned any uh, narrator or any source. He just said that there has occurred in an athar, meaning in a narration there occurs, beware of that to which the finger can be pointed towards. The fingers can point towards. What he means by this is, beware of those things towards which the fingers of the people of Iman will point towards. Right? So in other words... Beware of those things for which a person can be criticized for, for falling into them. Those affairs which do not agree with the Sharia. Right? This is the meaning. So, <clears throat> so uh, this brings us to, I think, one half of the hadith. So, inshallah, we, we'll, we'll stop the lesson here and we'll conclude with the rest of the uh, discussion from Sheikh Salih al-Sheikh in the next lesson. Uh, but at this point, uh, inshallah, with what we've gone through so far, we should understand then the importance of this hadith and how it is one-third of the religion, or one-quarter of the religion, uh, based upon what has been said by the scholars like Imam Ahmed and Abu Dawood. And we've understood the meaning of the Mushtabihat, what, what are we speaking about Speaking about when we speak of the Mushtabihat? As it relates to this hadith, it means those affairs whose rulings are not clear. We don't know the rulings of those affairs in the religion. And that, uh, that what is meant in this hadith about the Mushtabihat is slightly different to what is meant in the verse in the Quran in Surah Ali Imran. Uh, when, that, when, when that verse speaks about the Mushtabihat, um, even though the general meaning is the same, the base meaning is the same, in the hadith we are speaking about those issues, practical issues, uh, action-based issues, the affairs of halal and haram, about which a person is not clear about, 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 about its ruling. So the hadith is speaking specifically about that, whereas the verse 
is something more general. It speaks about the meanings uh, and, and, and can include other things as well. And uh, we also looked at the, the mushtabihat can occur in two ways. One, to the people of knowledge, where some new issue arises, they're not clear about it, so therefore they will keep away from uh, issuing a verdict from the angle of preserving their, you know, clearing their religion and whatever, and so, so that they don't speak, uh, you know, they don't make something halal which may not be halal, and vice versa regarding making something halal which may not be haram. So up until it becomes clear to them, then they will speak on an issue. So that issue therefore now is from the mushtabihat. And so the scholars keep referring. And likewise to the general people, something might be from the mushtabihat. To them the ruling on, is, on it is not clear. So they need to find out, they need to ask the people uh, of knowledge uh, regarding it. And by taking this approach, which is the approach that's wajib upon a believer, then he frees himself as it relates to his religion, as it relates to his relationship with Allah. And likewise, he frees himself and clears himself uh, regarding his honor, which is his relationship with his, you know, his, the, 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 the believers. And so he, you know, so he, he remains clear in that regard as well. So, inshallah, we'll conclude uh, the explanation of Sheikh Salih al-Sheikh uh, in the next lesson. And then following that, we will go through the benefits and some of the explanation and some of the benefits that Sheikh Ibn Thaymeen, rahimahullah, has mentioned regarding uh, this same hadith.